everyone. Cheryl A for the podcast on my watch. Today's a, another big day that I thought we all need to talk about. Several things have happened. It's day two of the trial. So let me date this. It's the 12th of January. And it's the case that South Africa is taking against Israel to the International Court of Justice. And they are accusing them of genocide. So this is day two. On the 11th, we heard the case of South Africa. That was a three-hour overview by various representatives, legal representatives that are representing South Africa. And then today, uh, several uh, representatives representing Israel. Now, I'll go get into that in, in a minute, but also there's been a big development overnight, and it is that you might have seen that the USA, the United States of America, has led strikes in Yemen. That includes Australia people. Our Prime Minister, who has turned out Anthony Albanese to be a stooge to the US government, Anthony Albanese and Penny Wong, the, our foreign minister, they can't seem to make a decision without checking in with the US. So what's happened, just for a little bit of background, there is a group called the Youthies and they have come out of Yemen. The Youthies are kind of like a rebel group that were opposed to the Yemeni government. Anyhow, in this conflict and where they're relevant is that the Uthis have been performing an act of protest in the Red Sea. And what they were doing is it's a very busy shipping route, if you like, and they were stopping ships that were delivering arms or anything to Israel. So in a way, it was a protest on Israel for what they're doing in Gaza, for the genocide that they're committing on the Palestinian people. Now, I wouldn't call it a peaceful protest, but it is a protest. As far as I know, uh, the Uthis haven't committed any crimes in terms of murder, as the Israelis have, but they are stopping a lot of needed cargo going through the Red Sea. And what they're doing is these ships have had to change their route and it's costing millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? So that has been the premise of why the Uthis have been doing what they're doing. It's a protest against Israel committing genocide on the Palestinian people. So the US and its allies, including Australia, haven't been happy with that, obviously, because for whatever reason, um, Joe Biden and the Israeli government are connected by the hip. Uh, uh, and and so that's made us complicit as Australians, because as I said, Anthony Albanese can't make a decision without checking with the US government. So they have decided, and this is interesting timing. So this has been going on for some time, for weeks now, that the Uthis have been stopping boats from going to Israel, delivering arms to Israel mainly, right? And so it was decided yesterday on the 11th of January for the US to actually start bombing Yemen, right? And that has happened, which I think the timing is quite unusual. It's not that the timing of the youthies' behaviour started yesterday, it's the timing of the response. And the timing coincides with the hearing at The Hague of Israel being on trial. Now, this is something that's really made me so angry because here we have really an act of war on Yemen because of what the youth is doing, right? 
And the Houthis are doing this as a protest to what Israel is doing to Palestine. Stay with me. So instead of the US government and the Australian government, instead of talking about a ceasefire with Israel to stop the carnage and murder of Palestinians, they decide to attack Yemen instead. So can you see where I'm going? If the carnage, if there was a ceasefire, a permanent ceasefire in Palestine, then the Houthis would stop and let the boats through because their actions are a direct response to what Israel is doing to Palestinians. It's crystal clear to me, but I'm not sure if it's crystal clear to the US or is it? it it's mind-boggling. Is it that the relationship between the US and Israel is is so connected that they are willing to take the risk. This is really serious starting to bomb Yemen. It is really taking the war out of Israel and Palestine and into the greater Middle East. And the US and the Australian government, the UK's government's in there as well, and there are several others, but I'm going to only talk about what I know. They think that this is the proper course of action. Well, I think people are losing their minds here. And think Anthony Albanese, you're losing your mind here. Penny Wong, clearly you're in over your head. This is really, really serious. And there is a way to stop this. There is a way for the boats to get through. And that's to stop the carnage that Israel is committing on Palestine. And the timing, is it just that the timing is a coincidence? I, I kind of don't believe that. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But... They decided to bomb Yemen while this trial is going on in The Hague. Could that be kind of a distraction? It probably is, and they're sitting there in their ivory towers thinking that it is a distraction, but none of us believe it because we're no longer getting our news from the traditional mastheads. We're not getting our news from the ABC. We're not getting our news from the Herald. We're not getting the news from the New York Times or the Washington Post because they're always two or three weeks late, if at all. This is interesting. Not one masthead, all of those that I mentioned, televised what was happening in The Hague when South Africa was presenting its argument live. None of them televised it live. However, when Israel's defence started, some of them have started to televise that live. Can you see that the bias is so obvious and we know it. I know it. You know it. Anyone listening to this podcast knows it. And I am telling you, the New York Times, the Sydney Morning Herald, the ABC, who's appalling at the moment, you're going to become more and more irrelevant because for us to get good factual news, we've had to go direct to the source. And in the case of Palestine, we've had to go to the journalists on the ground, the journalists that they haven't murdered. And because what we're getting here is a totally biased view of what's happening. The Hague story wasn't even a headline story for any of the mastheads. But of course, the US bombing Yemen is now the first story on all the mastheads. Sometimes I just want to scream and say, we don't believe you. We know that you're lying. We know that your perspective is absolutely biased. So I'm going to leave that there and I'm going to go back to um, the International Court of Justice. So Israel presented its case today, quite interestingly, and I'll go through some of the points of that. As it turns out, 
It's Hamas, Hamas and Hamas. Do you know the funny thing about being in the US at the moment is if I say Apple, they say Hamas. If I say Sofa, they say Hamas. <laughs> if I say a glass of wine, they say Hamas. There is a real cultural feeling here amongst the people that I know, I'm not speaking for the entire 300 million population, but that it is all Hamas's fault. Now, it is Hamas's fault in a lot of ways, but the genocide and the ethnic cleansing of Palestine has gone beyond Hamas. And that's not the feeling here. And that's because of the reporting that's happening here by the international journalists who, let's say, have not been into Gaza. I'll, I'll come back to that point because there is a journalist that's gone back there on a propaganda tour. But for the moment, I want to talk about the International Court of Justice. So this is day two, and this is Israel presenting its case. Now, as I said, it's Hamas, Hamas, and more Hamas. But the evidence is so strong of uh, the intent of what's happening. Now, this is really interesting because this court, the International Court of Justice, really is a court for hearing cases against genocide, right? So remember, it's not individuals, it's the state. And what's happened here is really what the judges are going to be looking for is the intent of the Israelis. Now, they say their intent is to protect themselves or to protect the country from Hamas. And they say their intent is to eliminate Hamas, right? But just remember this, 300 IDF terrorists have not able, been able to find um, Hamas. Remember that raid in Al-Shifa Hospital where apparently Hamas was in the tunnels? Well, that didn't have, that wasn't true. So there's been a, a lot of lies, as you know, coming out of there. But their case started actually quite weak because they were using the Hamas, the Hamas, the Hamas. Well, to kill and eliminate Hamas doesn't include collective punishment. And you've heard that term before, and that is collective punishment, meaning punishing the entire state of Gaza for Hamas. A couple of things that have been brought up is the cutting off of electricity and water, which is a war crime, and the argument is that they're not committing genocide. They're actually trying to kill off all of Hamas. But the intent here is what they have to prove. And it's been really interesting because a lot of Netanyahu's government has been speaking out of turn and they have shown good intent and you've heard it. And they have been blatantly talking about their intent and their intent is to clear Gaza of Palestinian people. But they're saying that that's not true, that that really isn't true. And really what they're trying to do is to weed out Hamas. Another thing that they brought up too is that it, because South Africa is taking Israel to task on this, to court, they're saying, well, why didn't South Africa come and talk to Israel itself and talk about the intent and tell them how they were feeling? It's like that's an absolute joke and I think it's got to be one of the weakest points that they made because as if they were open to a conversation about stopping their atrocities. Let's look at what America's doing in Yemen rather than talking to Israel about stopping their atrocities. This is how big this is at the moment. So I don't think that that's going to hold up. But what could hold up is that they're saying their intent is not genocide and they have, this is what they're saying, they have tried to protect Gazan citizens right throughout. Now, 
If you're reading the mastheads, you would believe that, right? But not you and I. We have been directly receiving our news for people on the ground in Palestine, and we know that that is complete rubbish, that they have killed, murdered, maimed, slain any Palestinian that they could find. So we know the numbers. Honestly, I don't know why this doesn't happen, but the humanitarian organisations should be at The Hague as well, giving evidence. And I'm not sure that that happens. But anyway, back to intent. And this is what they're saying, that strategically, the, the top line, like the government, Israeli government intent is not to cause genocide. It is really just to weed out Hamas. Now, they've been caught out with this because his government is so rogue and because Netanyahu is so power hungry and formed government with very right-wing organisations, particularly that horrible Itmar Ben-Gavir, who they've been saying, and a lot of government ministers and just a lot of Israelis in senior positions in Israel have been saying that they want the Palestinian people out of Gaza. I mean, they have talked about trying to give countries millions and millions of dollars to take them. And they're like, they're disappointed because countries haven't taken them. They've offered people like the Congo, Egypt, all sorts of people offered them money. And I'm talking about huge money to take Palestinian people and get them out of Gaza so they could take possession of that land. Now, it's astounding that any one of these judges would believe that. I mean, look what they're doing in the West Bank. If that's not ethnic cleansing, I don't know. And that is a slower ethnic cleansing than what's happening in Gaza where the settlements, where they allow Israeli Jews to take Palestinian homes and land and move in. We've talked about that. That is something that it's a strategy, if you like, that's still going on and is still going on in the West Bank. So hopefully the judges are looking at every angle of what's happening with the treatment of the Palestinians by Israel. So really it's now dependent on the judges. There is an Australian judge there, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, and I think she's worth mentioning because it is the first time that we've had a a judge on the panel, and her name is Hilary Charlesworth, and she's the first Australian woman to be elected to the International Court of Justice, which is pretty impressive. Now, the only problem with that is that we hope that the judges vote independently, not necessarily of representing their government, because we know what Anthony Albanese thinks. We know what the US, what Joe Biden thinks. So we really need these people to hear and look at the facts, these judges, about what's in front of them. And I really believe in the judicial system and I hope that that works this time. So that's where we're at. So both arguments have been put forward, South Africa, Israel, done. Now in the next week or so, we're going to expect some sort of judgment to come from these judges. And the first kind of judgment will be around some kind of ceasefire. Now, how you implement that, I don't know, because trying to force a state to do something, I think, is much harder than trying to stop an individual. So we'll see how that plays out and where Israel ends up. But I've got to tell you, it will be really frightening if they lose, because if they lose, that will give them a renewed permission slip, if you like, a renewed blank check to continue the atrocities that it's doing while we speak. Even while this trial is going on, even while this hearing is going on, they are still out there killing, 
and murdering Palestinian people. They're still murdering journalists. They're still murdering families. They're still murdering babies. I saw a, another IDF terrorist group video footage, if you like, this morning, where a female IDF terrorist is in a Palestinian's child's bedroom. And the interviewer, the person that's taking the video, one of her colleagues is asking her where she'd like to have sex, in which bed. This is what we're up against. And people tell me that the IDF, the Israel Defence Force, is actually the world's most disciplined army. Well, that's not what we've seen. That's not what you and I have seen. And that propaganda channel that they have has been very damning on them and it has exposed them for the terrorist group that they really are. My final point is I just want to talk about the media because it is really so important that we are very, very that we scrutinise what we're hearing and what we're seeing. As I've said a million times, the mastheads aren't delivering at the moment. I mean, you know, apparently the ABC, another journalist has walked out of there because of the bias that they have shown towards people of diversity. So if you've got an Arab background and you're working in the ABC, you can't have a view about what's going on. I mean, just imagine how ridiculous that is. They don't trust the people with uh, diverse backgrounds to report on what's happening. They only trust white people. It just doesn't make sense. Jan Fran covered this and I've been talking about it. And Jan is a wonderful journalist and go follow her on Instagram if you haven't already. But anyway, she's been talking about this and I raised it a couple of um, weeks ago. The New York Times, and I know it's a bee in my bonnet, but there's a journalist there called Patrick Kingsley. And a couple of weeks ago, he actually was on a propaganda tour. So this, he's going out with the IDF. We've talked about this. The IDF terrorist group, they pay and they take journalists. And at the time that I talked about this, and there's a podcast if you want to listen to it, um, you can just go to the New York Times. It's called The Daily, I think, the podcast, where Patrick Kingsley goes on a guided tour by the murderers themselves to Al Shifa Hospital. Now, if that's not enough, Patrick's gone on another guided tour. They had another guided tour of international journalists in Gaza. Patrick's on it again, Patrick Kingsley, uh, supposedly the Middle East specialist, and he's back in Gaza, this time having a look at the uh, the devastation, but through the eyes of the IDF. I mean, how warped is that? And, you know, in all of this reporting from the mastheads, from this guy called Patrick Kingsley. They never talk about their colleagues that have been murdered. They don't talk about the atrocities. They don't talk about the children that have been murdered. They just talk about the devastation like it's just happened out of thin air. They hardly use the word Israel because they don't want to implicate Israel as creating this atrocity or the genocide. I mean, this is insane. Anyway, as I said, Jan Fran's done a piece on it and it's she explains it better than I do, so go have a look. All right, well, this is it from me today. I think it'll be a couple of days, uh, maybe a week, before we hear anything from the International Court of Justice, but let's see how we go from there. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I've been getting some great feedback, so I will keep going, but for the moment, go in peace. <laughs>